Welcome back. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This is Trisha. And I am Evangelist Lori in, and we are just kicking, kicking in with Jesus. Jesus. Oh boy. So we have something great, great, great. We have to talk about. We're going to talk about the I am statements. Of, statements of Jesus. But You're in John. I'm in John. I'm in Exodus. <laughs> we're in all of the place. But if we're going to talk about the I am statements of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Why does it matter? Because what is right, I am? What is I am? So in Exodus, the second book of, is it the second book of the Bible? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> in chapter 3, Exodus 3. I am going to read a lot. I'm sorry. I'm going to read 1 through 14 just because, you know. Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and the priests of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the Mount of Sinai, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire, a flame of fire from the midst of a bush and he looked and behold the bush was on fire yet it was not consumed so Moses said I must turn away from the flock and see this great sight why the bush is why the bush does not burn up and when the Lord saw that he turned away from the flock to look God called him from the midst of the bush and said Moses Moses and he said here I am then God said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet out of respect because the place in which you are standing is holy ground. Side note, rabbit Can I, trial. I know, I was just going to say something. <laughs> so, you know, how we go into the house of God and we're so disrespectful of the house of God. So wrong, so wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Leaving coffee cups and mm. wrappers to your gum. And, you know, I'm so disrespectful. Here God is saying, the place in which you're standing is holy ground. Take your shoes off. Right. Like, wow. You know what I was going to say, though? Here's this bush. Mm. Here's a shepherd with his flock. They don't normally just leave their flock, right? And he decided... To leave his flock and turn to, and that's when God just—God was watching the whole thing. Right. God was in the bush. God was there, and He was just waiting. He could have said Moses, Moses, and He could have turned around at any time, at any point. But He saw it, saw his flock, and decided within Himself that He was going to look. I just think that's so powerful. But it doesn't—he do that with us. Right. He waits till we decide, and we look at Him. Right. You know. And then He says. Trisha, Lori, Moses, he calls you by name. Come on, come How, on. Oh my gosh. How beautiful is that? That's not even what we're supposed to be talking about. Verse five, then God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet out of respect because the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Hmm. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we had fear for God like that again? Right. And the Lord said, I have in fact seen the affliction, the suffering of my people who are in Egypt. 
and have heard their cry because of their taskmaster, because of their oppressors. For I know their pain and their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the, from the hand, the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from a land to a land that is good and spacious, a land flowing with milk and honey, mm. a land of plenty to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. There's a lot of sites over there. Yeah. Now behold, the cry of the children of Israel have come to me, and I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, and then bring my people, the children of Israel, up out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, Certainly, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that I that it that it is i who have sent you and when you have brought the people out of egypt you shall serve and worship god at this mountain and then moses said to god behold when i come to the israelites and say to them the god of your fathers has sent me to you and they say to me what is his name what shall i say to them and god said to moses i am who i am all capital and he said, you shall say this to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And I think that that is, yo. So this, this is the Old Testament. This is the second book of the Bible. This is more than like 800 years before Jesus was even born. I, 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 it's like 6,000. Yeah. A long, long time. A lot time. of years. And so <clears throat> I'm going to say God the Father makes a statement and says, tell my people I am that I am. And then tell them I am sending me. Hmm. So now fast forward to Jesus time. This is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So in um, starting in John, all of the I am statements come out of the book of John. Come on. And they are obviously from Jesus' mouth. But starting in John chapter six, verse 25, he's gonna talk about I am the bread of life. And it says, from 25 to 40. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I assure you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for, e for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has sent his seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in, in the one he has sent. What sign then are you going to do so we may see and believe you? They asked. What are you going to perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I assure you, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, but the, my father gives you the real bread 
from heaven, for the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. <clears throat> then he said, Sir, give us this bread always. In verse 35, I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one comes to me, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of the one of him who, who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Hmm. The bread of life. <clears throat> so, in my mind, and I mean just in my mind and in my heart, you can live and be sustained by bread. Right. And honestly, Trisha, you don't really have real life. You're going through the motions of life, but you don't have real life if you don't have bread. Mm. If you don't have this bread, you ain't living. You're not really living. Jesus is the bread of life as he nourishes people spiritually and satisfies the deep spiritual mm. longing of their soul. Come on. And people's spiritual longing to know God will be satisfied through Jesus. Come on. And I think that's the point. Like, we are a three being, right? Three pop man, yeah. So we can eat in our body, our flesh. We can eat bread all day long. And we can be satisfied and we can live a life and we can be content and we can be happy. But then what about our spirit that Jesus can only fulfill? That bread is for the spirit, which is Jesus. Man, I could go crazy right now. What are we filling our spirit with? Because we all have a spirit within us. Right? We mm. all have a spirit, regardless if we want to acknowledge it or not. If we want to acknowledge Jesus or not, we all have a spirit. Yes. So if we have flesh and we're not feeding our flesh, what's going to happen? We're going to die. So if we're not doing that for our spirit, what's going to happen? Right. <clears throat> Absolutely. Like we can mentally pretend that we are okay. But are we? Is there something deep inside you that's missing? <clears throat> there would be a whole lot of people that would, if they were to be honest, honest, they would say yes. But a lot of people will not be honest because there's a lot of people that I've talked to and they say, I'm not missing anything. Right. There's no hole within me. Right. You know, I have a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so... But the next one is what? The next one is John 8, which is, I am the light of the world. John 8, this one's a little bit longer, but 8, 2 through 20, emphasis on verse 12, 2. 
At dawn, he went to the temple complex again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, st starting with the older men. Only he was left when the woman with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Verse 12, Then Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, You are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is valid because I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards, I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because I am not alone, but I and the, fa and the Father who sent me judge together. Even in your law it is written that the witness of two men is valid. I am the one who testified about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they said to him, they asked him, Where is your father? You know, you know neither me nor my father, Jesus mm. answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the te treasury while teaching in the temple complex, but no one seized him because his hour had not come. And then, sorry, that's okay. I have like a couple notes down on these Go from on. there, but the light. So he's the light of the world. The light shows what we can't see and guides our every step. It's not enough to look at his light and, and to gaze upon it. We must follow it, walk in it. It's a light for our feet, not just our eyes. So if there was lights on your feet and you were walking in darkness, the lights on your feet would illuminate where you were walking and you would be able to see, if you were looking down, you'd be able to see. Right. I just like how hmm. that he said that he's the light of the world right after he forgave somebody of such a sin. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Cause it says she was caught in adultery in the act. So in my mind, I am going to, which I probably shouldn't assume because they, people say that all the time, but I would assume that being caught in the act of adultery <clears throat> because the Pharisees and the teachers of the law needed to prove a point. Right. They, you know, because women were... They didn't look at women like we look at women today. They were less than. And right. so they probably took her out of the bed naked, you know, 
maybe if she, I don't know, but I can only imagine how embarrassed and ashamed she must have felt at that moment. You know, because if, if you get caught in something that you knew going in was wrong. Right. And then you get caught. Something happens within you feel guilty, you feel right. shameful. Shame. And here she is standing in front of the Savior. And How he's beautiful. writing on, on the ground. You ever wondered what he was writing? We've had this conversation before. I know. Probably the sins of the ones accusing her. Could be interesting. Very interesting. So we have, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Mm. I am the door. Which comes out of John 10. Verse 1, starting in verse 1. I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. <coughs> The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this illustration, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus makes it explicitly clear he's the only means of coming home to God. He is the only way, only way one can be a part of the people of God. And I was reading, so I was reading this on something about all of these seven I am's. Mm. And they were talking about the sheeps, the sheep. So the sheep, the shepherds, their pens back then were really attached to their house mm. so they would go home like so like having that what he was saying like they would understand what he was saying because their sheeps would have to go to the, the shepherd's house to get home right and he's the door that's what he's saying he's referencing it as i'm the door like he's the shepherd and it's in my home you know Come what I mean? how awesome is that right so I think everything about the I am's that he speaks of, of who he is, every single one of them are powerful for totally different reasons and yet the same. I'm sorry, they, all of them are the same to me because each one of them, if you haven't experienced each one of them, in your walk with God yet, you will. 
because there's oh there'll always be a time where we either grow slack or we forget or we're in such bondage or in desperation whatever the case and sometimes we forget whatever the case he will become hmm. the light the door the shepherd you know what right. i mean he'll always be he'll sustain you right with the bread it, always you know <clears throat> this one it, it's good because i mean you know, people will say like, well, how do I, how do I get to heaven then? Through Jesus. There's only one door and you can say it anyway. There's only one road. There's only one, there's only one door. Jesus says he is the door. And that's the truth. And this life is just so quick. Where if you don't go through that door, on the other side is just not something you're going to want to experience. But why would you not want to go through the door? That's what I, and I get it. I can see all sides because I was once there. And I was once, my cousin says, blinders. People have blinders on. And I like that. I like the way she says that because it's true. You have blinders on. You can't see anything else until you take the blinders off right and i was there so i can relate to people that don't know jesus that don't know truly know jesus you know and mm -hmm. second corinthians calls it a veil mm. it is a veil that covers your eyes and it's like if you ever look through a veil it's like you can see but you can't but see. you can't really see because it's kind of like blurry and so when the veil is removed you can see the glory of god which is so crazy because what did we just read in in exodus though when moses decided to turn so it's our choice it's always been our choice and it always will be and, and oh my gosh so let's go on what do we just did the door so we had the bread we have the light of the world. We have the door. The good shepherd. This is the one that you liked, right? I don't even John, I love this one. John. Oh, uh, John. Yeah, John 10, right? John 10, starting in verse 11 to 22. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired men... The hired man, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. As the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. The 22. But I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I am laying down my life so I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. 
Again, a division took place among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem and it was, and it was winter. And that's it. So, let me say this. In verse 27, the sheep that are my own hear my voice, they listen to me, I know them, and they follow me. When I sat here the other day, it took me a, a good four minutes, if not longer. I sat with the Lord at the Bible table and I went, wait a minute. So we hear you, even though we say, God doesn't talk to me. Hmm. We hear you and we automatically follow you. We automatically follow you. He's not behind us, chastising us for every wrong that we do. Right. He's a good shepherd. He goes, we follow. We don't go and he's behind us directing us which way we're supposed to be going. Right. He goes first. That is such a beautiful thing. Because he trusts us. He trusts us to make the loving decision to follow us, our shepherd. Right. To follow our savior. Which is crazy though, is like I do, like as you say that, I feel like that's with everybody. Even if they don't believe in Jesus, I believe that he's in front of those people calling he them. Is. And, they're, and we're what? Three, we're a three-part person, right? Our spirit knows Jesus. And our spirit can hear. I mean, calling even, us. Right, but even it's, even people that, that are not, they're not, they didn't accept Christ into their life. Right. They call it what you want to call it. But if you're into, if you're, if you're going to go into a dangerous situation and you get this tweak in your heart that says, don't go to that party. Right. Don't go out tonight. Lock your door. You know what I mean? That is, that is, that is the shepherd of your right. soul. You want to call it something else? I'm sorry. Right. His name's Jesus, and that's what he's saying. He's right. speaking to you by the Holy Spirit. Right. You know what that's I mean? That's so good. And so I just, I, I really feel like we don't give him the credit he's due. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Let me shut up now. No, that's good. <laughs> you know, I just, I think that... Our Savior is just beautiful in all that he does. 
in all that he does. Everything that he is is for our good. He gave his life as the greatest demonstration of his love. Trisha, yo. And the other thing I wrote down for that is Jesus is not only the spot that welcomes us home to eternal life, but the one who leads doesn't push us along the way. Doesn't push. Gives us the choice. It's so crazy because that's for everybody. That we all can decide like Moses <clears throat> to turn from our, sh our sheep and look. Turn from whatever it is that's occupying us <clears throat> and look towards what's calling you. Because something is calling you in your spirit. For Moses, it was the burning bush that wasn't being consumed. Right. And he's like, what is going on right here? Right. And he needed to know. Or it's, something told me not to go to that party. You know, Dad says, and I don't know why I want to say this, but <clears throat> Dad says all the time, you know, not that we argue about it because we don't, but we definitely disagree. <laughs> because he says... People, and I'm on a rabbit trail, I always do. I always do. But he says, for those that have walked away from God, God will always come before and give them one more chance before they die. But you can't guarantee that every single person gets that last chance, man. You can't. You can't say that if you backslide or you or you never came to Jesus and you think that you have time. You can't say that you've got time. Right. You can't say. I'm sorry. No. You can't say I that you have it. <laughs> I was like, something just fell. <laughs> no, I'm slapping my my leg. But you can't. You can't tell me that everybody has time because I don't think that that's the way I don't the think that that's true though either because only because of that, I forget his name, his testimony that got hit by the, the, the Mack truck. He died instantly. John Piper. Instantly, he said. Mm. There was no, like, he just said, I must have put my arm up because his arm was in the back. He said he must have put his arm up, but that Mack truck hit him so hard that he instantly died and he was di dead for 90 minutes. And he minutes. didn't remember that. He didn't right. remember that. So there was no no way of, I mean, he was saved and stuff, but instantly he was dead. And that happens to unsaved people all the time. You know, regardless of what people think, and let's just, let's just, because we're right here right now. The sad part is the devil has blinded the mind of people to make it as if there's going to be this big party. Yup, we're going to party in heaven. You're stupid. Yeah, right. He doesn't and I don't mean that in a, in, a, in a disrespectful way, but that is ridiculously immature on your behalf because hell is not what you imagine it to be. No, but... Read the word and find out what it really is. But that's is. like saying, like... Okay, so put it in our time. So, I get pulled over drunk driving. 
and I do something that I shouldn't have been doing, and it's wrong. You think I'm gonna go to jail and have a party? You chose to do something that you shouldn't have done. As much as people don't want to hear it, like, God's giving you a choice. Come on. You either want to follow him and be with him for eternity, or you don't. You're making the choice to not want to be with him, so you're going to end up in a place. Just like if you're making a choice to drink and drive, you're going to end up in jail. It's not a party. You're alone and you're right. there. You know what I mean? Yep. You're making that choice. And Jesus, let's just call it for what it is, he paid your price. Right. He paid my price. Right. I couldn't pay that price, so he decided he was going to take it upon himself. Right. Because he loved me for maybe a yes in my life. Maybe right. I'll accept you. And I chose because to Because hell wasn't that. made for you. Come on. Because hell wasn't made for you. It wasn't. It wasn't so, made for anybody. And yet, because he's given, Jesus has given you clear directions to his house. And you decide you want to take another route to his house. Right. Guess what? But then I, you know, I forget who said this or where I read it and stuff, where I seen this, but God's not going to, I think I read it in my Bible, actually. God's not going to give you, because I have the apologetics Bible, it's not like a Bible just written by anybody, but it has like little blurbs in it. God's not going, God's going to give you what you want. Imagine somebody that didn't want to follow God, he ends up making go to heaven. That's going to be like hell for them. You didn't want to be with God. You wanted to be separated from him. He doesn't want you to be separated because he knows what hell's like. Mm. He knows the other side. You don't. You think you do, especially the people that are like all into, you know, spiritual whatever. Hell is not a place that everything that is from God, breath, air. That's that We're is just not talking in about hell. it right here. So, okay. I mean, if you want to get... So you're saying this, right? So... Think about it for a second. Because you're talking and I'm like... I can't even help it, right? So hell is... The total opposite of what... God. Heaven is. Right. Right? So... Heaven is light, because he is the light of the world, right. right? Heaven is light, hell is darkness. Right. The Bible says that it's God that gives us breath, right? Right. He is the breath of life. They say in hell, in the word, you can't breathe, right? Right. Everything, every attribute. It's like you can breathe, but it's so hard because you don't have it in your lungs. You don't have it, so it's like, <gasps> you know what I mean? That's just sick. Let's just say. It's sad. It's sad because hell was not made for you. Say it. So he knew Satan. So Jesus, okay, we can talk about this because Jesus was always, right? So Jesus was in the garden. He was, he was always there. He knew Satan, right? He knew that 
hell was going to be made for Satan. No, he was already there. Right. Let's just talk about that. But, he was already there. Right. But I don't mean like he was there. That's when he knew. But I'm saying like Jesus always knew Satan was going to go to hell. Like mm-hmm. hell was always for Satan. So he knew that he was Satan was always deceiving the people that he created. So he's like, all right, well, I'm going to come to come to earth. And I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to do all this. Because he knows what hell is like. He knows what's there. He knows it's not, wasn't even intended for you. So please just choose me because you really do want me. Trust me. You don't want the serpent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Our pride and our selfishness, I believe that's from the enemy, believe that, oh, we don't need a God. We are, I was reading something the other day. I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard that Jesus isn't coming back and that he already came back and we just need to live a happy and healthy life. Like who, who said that? You know, off topic again, (laughs) my husband said to me the other day, he's like, so my three-year-old who's going to almost be four in a couple months and my one-year-old, my almost four-year-old is becoming very jealous. Everything's jealous, jealous, jealous. And And Josh sat there and he's like, I can't believe that jealousy is not something you're taught. Like, it blew his mind. And I was like, no. Why do you think that God said we're such sinners? Because we're born sinners. Nobody has to teach you to be jealous. Nobody has to teach you to be hateful. Hello? (laughs) Nobody has to teach you how to say no, either. Right. But if we we just look at even just a small human... Where do you think that comes from? Like, come on. Like, you're going to tell me that we don't need saving? That is because Eve was deceived. Eve was deceived. But Adam went in fully, eyes wide open. He fully went in sinning. Right. And he knew it. He knew it straight up because God told him. Right. God didn't tell Eve. That wasn't even her name. Her name was woman. God didn't tell woman. Adam told woman what God said. Right. God the father, Adam's father, told him what to do. And he, in rebellion, said no. Right. Oh, well, this girl's coming to me. Well, it's all right. I'm sure it's fine. She had to have, she had to, the Bible doesn't say so, but she had to have said, you know, the serpent said, and obviously the, the cunning serpent was good at what he was doing and what he was saying. So she must've been like, well, maybe God's, God's trying to hold back on, we're going to know good and evil. Right. Right. What does that mean anyways? You know what I mean? As they're walking through paradise. <laughs> yeah, but like, see, we understand the the repercussions of sin because we live it. She had no clue. So we can't even get mad at her because she, you can't do what you don't know. No, I know. You know what I mean? I know. And I she don't, had no I, clue. I don't know this to be fact or not, but I just don't feel like the serpent was a snake on the ground. No. 
Like when you read that. No. Like I think that it, I think when I picture the garden, I picture it all. Like I picture them all there. Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Yeah. Adam, Eve, the animals, and Satan, and the angels. Them crazy looking angels that you sent me on that TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> With all the eyes. No, but for real, like, I believe that Satan knew them, you know what I mean? Like, they, Eve had to have known him enough to trust him to be like, oh yeah, you know what? That's right. Why can't I have that? You know what I mean? Yep. I don't know. Total bunny trail. Sorry. But we are going to wrap it up. We're going to save the last three for the next episode for part two of this. We have... We just talked about the Good Shepherd, right? We have the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. That one's that one's my favorite too. I I do like that one because as I was reading it, I was because I I've been doing the little Bible study off of it and <clears throat> reading what it was saying about the vine and stuff and like what you automatically look at when what what you automatically picture in your mind of what a vineyard is. Mm. It's not a vine. Right. That's not the first thing you think of, but Jesus is so humble that he that's what he uses. Mm. Something that you don't even think of. It's I'm the vine. Like that's not the first thing you would think of. It's just anyway, can't go into that now cuz that's that's for next week. That's definitely one of one of many, but of my favorite stories i want to say it's john 15 but it's one of my favorite stories because if you don't abide if you don't stay connected to right. jesus and i know that full well right i've lived it right if you don't stay connected to jesus and you know i don't know why i'm going here but people need people right we were never meant to do life alone Never. And I just said this to a young girl today. When you're feeling low, you need to reach out to somebody that you trust. And if you don't trust somebody, they can always leave a comment. Right. And we will answer you. Right. Because life is hot enough. We're not in, we're not made to to do it by ourselves. Absolutely. I agree. We need people to encourage us and lift us up. And if you're getting thoughts in your mind that you don't have anybody Shh. or like you're you, nobody's there for you, that's a lie from the enemy. Come on. Because he wants to seclude you. He wants to isolate, isolate you. Depression comes. Yeah. Loneliness comes. Suicidal thoughts yeah. come. I mean, these are all arrows that the enemy just... And when he sees something working... Yep. He will continue. Yep. And he'll he'll start to press harder. You know, the walls will start to close in. Right. I've lived it. You've lived it. Right. You know. Right. But we're not called to do life by ourselves. And I feel that right now. I feel that. I feel like there are people that, Trisha, that's them. Right. And the enemy comes in. And they don't have that, those people to call upon. Right. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, 
May you lift them up and may they have the strength to reach out and Mm -hmm. to, to leave a comment. They, you know, they don't have to get into father, what they're going through, but father, I pray in the name of Jesus, that you would breathe upon them. I pray Jesus, that you would, you would even give them comfort. Let them feel your presence. Be with them, Lord. I pray and I I command every foul thought, every thought of suicide, every thought of depression, every thought of loneliness, every thought that says that you are not Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would show them that they are, they are more than a conqueror, that they are beautiful, that they are lovely, that they are what you have made them to be. I pray, Jesus, that they would start to see themselves, Father, even um, a glimmer of hope inside the way that you see them. Father, I pray that you would lavish love upon them. And I pray, Jesus, that your spirit would raise them to their feet. And I pray, Jesus, that you would show them in their mind, Father, exactly who you made them to be. Father, every man, every woman, and every child possibly. Father, I pray that you would have your way in this hour and in this time. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Such a critical, critical time. I, I'm praying and I hear the Lord say, it's a critical, critical time. Rise up and be what God has called you to be because there is not enough time for you to keep playing. It's a critical time. Well, that was really good. Until next time. We are kicking it with Jesus. God bless you.